There's a subtle danger in relying on your gifting and not on the spirit. Pastor Ed Taylor is here to elaborate. The danger is you create all your plans and you offer them, God bless my plans. What if heaven says, that's not my plan? What will you do? Instead, those with the gift of leadership need to get their plans from God. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. Be very careful. You can plan the Holy Spirit completely out of the picture. And it's easier just to make all your plans and offer them to God. Bless my plans, Lord, instead of praying and getting your plans from God. This is amazing grace. This is You've no doubt heard it said, God gave you a brain, so use it. While there is some truth to that, it would be better said, use the brain God gave you to seek Him and find out what He wants you to do. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We've been exploring the gifts listed in Romans chapter 12, and today's gift is the gift of leading. We left off last time in Mark chapter 6. If you want to head there now, we're exploring how this gift is clearly seen in the life and ministry of Jesus. Here now is Pastor Ed. Mark chapter 6, verse 38. Jesus was a masterful leader and administrator. You may not have viewed Jesus that way before, but of course, he's the, he's the God of all creation. Of course, he would be a good leader and a good administrator. The Bible says in other places that the whole world is held together by the power of Jesus Christ. But I want you to see something very practical that he does here. In the feeding of the 5,000, check this out, verse 38. It says, but he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. That's leadership. Hey, there's hungry people. How much food do we have? Find out. And they found out and said, five and two fish. And then he commanded them to make them all sit down in groups on the green grass. And so they sat down in ranks in hundreds and fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them all to his disciples to set before them. And the two fish he divided among them all. And so they all ate and were filled. Now, don't miss this. This is thousands of people out on a grassy knoll. There's no chairs there. There's no walls there. There's no line dividers there like we have downstairs in the cafe or you might go to an amusement park where they put those line things up to get people in order. There's nothing. Now, Luke says there's 5,000 men, so there could be, well, you got 5,000 men. Let's say they all brought their wives. That's 10,000. They all have a kid. That's 15,000 people, just a mass of humanity out on the grassy knoll. And what does Jesus say? Find out how much food we have and go get them in order. What are we going to do? Just go tell them to sit down and make sure they're in ranks. Put them in order. And so the disciples go out. Sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. Would you sit down, sit down? Hey, sit down, sit down over here. Get in this group. Sit down, sit down. Sometimes it sounds like your kitchen table, huh? Sit down so you can eat, right? Sit down. Calm down. Sit down. Flip over now to Luke chapter 9. Your kitchen table doesn't sound like that? Yeah, it does. Sometimes it does. Sit down. We all want to eat. Look at this. Luke chapter 9. <laughs> Pick up with me in verse 14, would you? Jesus administering and leading. There are about 5,000 men, it says. This is Luke 9, verse 14. 
They had 5,000 men, and he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. Very organized. Hey, we got a lot of people out there, but we're going to feed them. And and this is a supernatural miracle. I mean, Jesus could have multiplied the the loaves and the fish like he did, but he could also have just spoken one word and everybody, boom, 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 they're all sat down, right? That could have been a miracle too. But he chose, he chose to use his disciples and give them an opportunity to serve. Let's send them out to the people, give them an impossibility and get everybody organized. Now, one more. Look at John's gospel real quick, right to the right. Look at John chapter 6 now, verse 12. John chapter 6. You hear that noise? That's Bible pages turning. Isn't that great? Sometimes I just like to do it just to hear it. That is a joy to any pastor, I'll tell you, to have people in the congregation loving God's word, just to love it, to use it, to turn it, to learn it, to read it, to meditate, to use it. I mean, this word is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And if any pastor, any leader, any church, anywhere ever tries to take the Bible out of your hands, don't let it go. You hold on to that Bible and you use it, not only when you're in the congregation for an hour or so, but all throughout the week. Because I'll tell you, the answers to life's questions, all of them, are found right here in God's word. You want to get used to knowing and how to find them and pray through them and let the Holy Spirit lead you. Now, what a joy. The Bible says those that are led by the Lord, by the Spirit of God, are children of God. You want to be led by the Lord. You want to have his life in you. You want to be sensitive to the Spirit and let him lead you and guide you because he wants to. So one more thing, John chapter 6. Notice verse 12, it says, So when they were filled, one more thing Jesus does in his leadership. When they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. And by the way, all the work of God, anything that happens in your life, listen, everything that happens in your life is used by God. Nothing is lost. Nothing is lost. Nothing. Nothing is lost. Jesus gives an example here in the practical realm. He says, gather everything up. I don't want anything to be lost. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves and were left over by those who had eaten. You could just read that real fast, right? Not even see it. But did you notice? How many baskets did he say they had? Well, how many apostles are there? So that means every apostle gets to walk away from this miracle with the leftovers of God's blessing to be reminded, you know, God is very faithful. I just want to take this time to encourage you. Remember, those with the gift of leadership have this ability to see the big picture. Jesus He sees the big picture in your life right now. There with the 5,000, he knows he needs to feed these people, and he's going to, and he sees it, even if his disciples don't. And you know what's going on in your life right now? God, he sees it. And he knows the big picture. I know it must be difficult because you've got the peace, and you don't know where it fits, and you don't like the peace. And and God says, no, no, I just want you to do this one thing. And you're like, I don't want to do this one thing. Would you please tell me what's going on? And I'll give me five things to do, and that way I can see the big picture with you. And he says, no, here's the big picture for your life. Trust me. And I know we wouldn't say that, but we, we might feel it at times. We're like, well, it's really hard to trust you right now, God. Like, this is really hard. Just explain it to me. Just spell it out for me. But I'm telling you something. Not only will you see God come through for you in a powerful way, but you might just walk away with a basket full of the leftovers of God's blessing in your life. You can put that basket up on the shelf, right, just to remind you of God's faithfulness, of how good he is. I know it's tough right now. I understand. I know you don't see it right now, but Jesus does. And your connection to him by faith, 
is going to get you through so that you can look back. Because I think many of us can look back on things in our life where we didn't see it back then either. But we look back and we see it now, don't we? We go, oh, yeah, now I get it. Oh, that was hard. That was hurtful. That was painful. I know. When you get through it, you look back on it. And all you're going to be able to see is God's faithfulness. So hang on. Don't give up. Acts chapter 6 now. Let's look at this gift moving through the church. Acts chapter 6. We saw it in the life of Jesus. Well, now let's look at it in the church. And if you're taking notes, which I encourage you to do, Acts chapter 15 is another one I would share with you in the church of this gift of leading and administrating coming through, but we don't have time to go in it. But in Acts chapter 15, there was a doctrinal difficulty that came into the church, and the leadership stepped up and took care of it right away, spiritually. And the church continued to grow. But here's a practical one, not doctrinal, but practical. The church is growing like crazy, this early church. It says, in those days when the church, the number of the disciples was multiplying. Oh, what a sweet time of multiplication. There arose a murmuring. And just let me say, anytime a church grows, there's always going to be murmuring. Don't ever forget that. It might even be in your own heart. And you just got to crucify it. Because not everything's going to go. You know, we, the reason we murmur and complain is because everything's not going our way. So we're just like, oh, Lord, help me to get through this. Just strengthen me. I don't want to be a murmur. I don't want to be a complainer. But when the church was multiplying, there was murmuring. And notice, there was murmuring against the Hebrews by the Hellenists. The Hellenists were the Greek-speaking Jews. The Hebrews were the Hebrew-speaking Jews. They're in the church. And the, the widows were neglected in the daily distribution. So the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, some have gone to this passage and said, well, here you go. Once you get to a level in the ministry, you don't have to serve anymore. You know, that level of teaching, we need to teach and just pray, and I don't do anything else. And so you'll have churches with teaching pastors, and they all they do is teach. And listen, listen, pastors are pastors. Teachers are teachers. In any ministry, you want to have a pastor teacher who's able to shepherd the flock and also teach the word. So there's never some level where, I, you know, I'm not going to do the things of the ministry anymore. I'm just going to give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now, that's not to say that this isn't a passage of Scripture on priorities, because it is. Oh, yes, those that are called to minister the word of God, the priority is to pray and to minister the word. But it happens in a variety of ways. It happens in ways that really that gifting of pastor comes out. So this isn't a passage excusing people not to do things anymore. It's just a passage of priority. And what it shows in the leadership of the early church is that their priorities were in order. And when a difficulty came, what did they do? They enlisted other people in the church to take care of it. And so that now there's more people serving. Because people with the gift of leadership, one of the tendencies that you have is when things don't go the way you want, you jump in and take care of it myself. And you might take care of it really good yourself, but you've missed out on the key component, and that is God wants other people to help you. He doesn't want you to be a lone ranger. He wants you surrounded by godly men and women that can help you. And so the church is so cool here. It says the saying, verse 5, please the whole multitude. They chose these men, verse 6, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them, and the word of God spread, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Great gift to have in the church. One more thing before we get into some of the hazards. Another great picture in the Bible of a gifted administrator and a leader is the book of Nehemiah. 
So those people that have the gift of leadership love the book of Nehemiah. They love Nehemiah. They seem to have a kindred spirit with him. I mean, Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem. The town is in rubble. The people are demoralized. And all Nehemiah could see was opportunity to obey the Lord. And by the time Nehemiah, in all the giftings that he had, by the time he's done, the Bible says the people had a mind to work. And they rebuilt that wall under the Lord together. And he motivated them. He inspired them. And so oftentimes, people with the gift of leadership will just love the book of Nehemiah. He's a great picture of this gift. Okay, what are some dangers to look out for? For those of you taking notes, you have the gift of service, or excuse me, the gift of leadership. Service kind of goes along the lines with this. I'll show you in a minute. But if you have the gift of leadership, here's some things to watch out for. Number one, as a person with the gift of leadership, you always risk planning the Holy Spirit out of things. You always run the risk of just planning the Holy Spirit completely out of the picture. Why? Because you're organized, because you love tasks, you love lists, you love to plan. You can put a good plan together, but if you're not careful, you'll miss the leading of the Holy Spirit. The danger is you create all your plans and you offer them, God, bless my plans. What if heaven says, that's not my plan? What will you do? Instead, those with the gift of leadership need to get their plans from God. You know why the Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 4, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord. The Bible says that the steps of a righteous or a good man, a good woman, are ordered by the Lord. And so you have the gift of leadership. Be very careful. Be open to this. You can plan the Holy Spirit completely out of the picture. And it's easier just to make all your plans and offer them to God. Bless my plans, Lord, instead of praying and getting your plans from God. Number two, a risk that for those of you that have the gift of leadership is that you always run the risk of lording over others. And you want to be careful here. Can I just say that shepherds, shepherds don't lead by intimidation. Shepherds don't lead by threats. Shepherds don't lead by guilt. Shepherds don't lead by talking down to people. Shepherds don't lead by asserting their authority. Shepherds don't lead by demanding, by commanding, and just putting the fist down. That's not, shepherds don't do that. You know, our great shepherd, Jesus Christ, who's the shepherd of our souls, that's not the pattern that he gave. He was gentle and encouraging to those that wanted to listen, and he was stern and hard to those that refused him, all with the motive of drawing them to an understanding of his truth. You know, as under-shepherds, which all of us are under our great and holy and high shepherd, we lead by love and grace, mercy and servanthood. There is no other way to lead in the church. Jesus said, you want to be greatest in God's kingdom? Then what? Be the servant of all. And so you want to be careful, those of you in leadership, not to lord over people. Peter said, don't lord over the flock. You don't want to lord over the flock. You want to serve the flock. You want to be among the flock. You want to be a fellow co-laborer. And be sure, you leaders, to encourage the people that serve with you. People get discouraged. They go through tough times. People really lose heart if they aren't encouraged. They really lose heart if they don't get encouragement and support from you as a leader. And so shoot that email off. How are you doing? Send that little text message. Make a little phone call. 
continue to be reaching out, even if they're not in a position to respond or they don't want to respond. Or that's a, don't worry, you just keep being in that place where you're encouraging and lifting up and give room for the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. Don't lord over the people. Number three, another risk you need to be careful of is you use, you, this goes with really number two, you run the risk as a person with the gift of leadership of using intimidation to get your way. I'm sure we've all worked for people in the world that used to run the shop by intimidation and fear, right? And that's just how they got things done. And they confuse that with being good leadership. It's not. And it has no place in the church. Overseeing ministry by fear and intimidation is not from the Lord. It's sin. And it's not going to get you very far. It might get immediate action in someone, but you've lost relationship. Leadership is all about relationship and connections. Being united in the ministry together, united by the Spirit of God. You know, when you're connected, you're in unity with the Spirit of God, man, you, just amazing things happen. And so intimidation is not the way to go. Using fear is not the way to go. Really, what that is is just weak, worldly leadership. And if that's your style of leadership, stop it. Both in the church, where there's no place for it, and in the world, where there's no place for it. You're a vessel for the Lord in the world. You know, none of this, well, when, when in Rome, do as the Rome, Romans do. No, no, when in Rome... Do as Jesus would do. When in Aurora and Denver, serve the people like Jesus would. They won't run over you. They might take advantage of you, but Jesus was killed for his kindness. He was crucified for his love. We walk in his footsteps. So be careful of this, please. Number four. <laughs> Number four. If you are, have the gift of leadership, you risk getting very irritated and grouchy. Yep. I mean, listen, God has enlisted you in the ministry, and you see a lot of chaos, right? You see where the balls get dropped. You, you see things that fall through the cracks. And, and if you're not careful, it will really mess you up. And you get really upset about it. And you get grouchy and irritated because you love to do things, and people know you love to do things, so they put more things on your plate. And, and as you're living this, you're, you get irritated, you get grouchy, you start to mistreat people. And man, that's the first step outside of serving. You just... You don't want to go that way. Just remember this. God has put you in the midst of chaos to bring order, not to bring more chaos. So isn't it a slick thing for Satan to get you all irritated and grouchy so you're the one that God has enlisted to solve the problem, but you're making it worse? Be careful here. You're the God's vessel to help fix it. You can get irritated at people very easily too, and what I encourage you to do is just pray for the fruit of the Spirit, patience and long-suffering. So you can continue pouring into people. Lead them. Hey, leaders, listen. Lead people to the cross of Jesus Christ, not to your flesh. You know, if you're always leading people to the cross of Jesus Christ, you know what? You're going to be there a lot yourself. And at the cross, we're humbled and we're broken and we're reminded of God's great love for us. And don't jump in and make decisions in the flesh. Walk in the Spirit, the Bible says, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Number five, this is an interesting danger. For those of you with the gift of leadership, you always risk getting lazy and procrastinating. Getting lazy and procrastinating. Wait a minute, Ed, what, wait. all the things that you described about the person with leading doesn't sound like a lazy or a procrastinator. But what did Paul have to say? He says, if you lead, he who leads, you're supposed to lead with what? Diligence. You know what that tells me? That tells me you can lead without diligence. Let me put it this way. Because you're, so, you're such a good planner, and because you can get things done so quickly, you may just decide to wait till the last minute to do something and waste all that time. 
Because after all, you know, you don't want two or three projects. So in your mind, you might just come in and start to procrastinate and say, you know what, I'll get it done. Nobody's going to know the difference how much time I put into it. And maybe you get lazy and say, you know, I'm going to do, I've got a big project this week. I think I'm going to give 50%. You'll still get it done. And probably, people probably wouldn't have any idea that you only drop 50% of your energy in that. They won't even know. And then you get into the habit of doing that. You go, hey, I can just give half. I get lazy. I won't be diligent anymore. I start to procrastinate. And nobody will know, will they? Except you. And it will really mess you up because you know you're not doing and giving God your best. And it starts to infect the rest of your life. So if you have the gift of leadership, lead with diligence. Don't get lazy. Don't procrastinate. The word diligence has the idea of haste or earnestness. Get busy and get busy now. Maybe it is that God would have you to finish early so you can take on another task and another project and another ministry. Then finally, number six. This is a risk that pretty much occurs with all the gifts, but especially with this gift of leadership. You always run the risk of getting tired, burned out, and bummed out as you operate in this gift. You're a doer, right? People know you're a doer. They decide to dump a lot of work on you. You love doing all that work, so you take it on. You jump into it. You say yes to the things that are placed before you more often and more than you could possibly handle without damaging your spiritual life, without damaging your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your responsibilities in life. You take on so much because you love to do. Well, just like the person with the gift of service, You've got to prayerfully learn how to say no. Because you can get burned out, you can get bummed out, you can throw in the towel, and although your tendency is not to quit, through a series of events, you may just quit because your life is out of balance and out of order. And you know, when you get burned out and bummed out, we can tell. You carry it around on your face. We like to refer to it as getting stressed out. And you know, when leaders get stressed out, well, someone once said, a stressed out leader will stress out everyone who works with him or her. It's true. We want to be encouraged. We want to be lifted up. And so this gift of leading, lead in such a way where you're depending upon the strength of the Holy Spirit and not your own resources. We've been in the book of Romans today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is leading us verse by verse through the epistle. Would you like to hear today's message again? You can listen online 24-7 at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to go is to download our church app and Grace FM Colorado app. Do a search for Calvary Aurora. You'll find Abounding Grace right there, as well as many other helpful resources. Hey, are you looking for some good summertime reading? If you're like me and like to pull out a good book to read on vacation, we'd like to recommend Love, The More Excellent Way. In the late 1960s, an entire generation was searching for love. Maybe you've been on your own quest to find it. This encouraging and practical book by Chuck Smith will show you what real love is and how to discover it. You'll learn about God's love for us and our love for God in response. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more by calling 877-30-GRACE. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as you were talking about the gift of leading today, I think it's a good time to tell our listeners about a podcast that you do on this very subject. Spiritual leadership, Larry, is a 
topic that I really, really love. I love learning about it. I love listening to podcasts on it. And we started a podcast not too long ago that we call Lead to Serve. It's L-E-A-D-2, the number two, Serve, available anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, we are in season number two of this podcast. And, and basically, I talk about various aspects of serving well, both in the church, of course, because that's my primary perspective, but also across the board as believers. Lead to serve. I know that if you chose to invest time in your spiritual leadership, that the Lord will bless that. And perhaps the Lead to Serve podcast will be an encouragement to you. The episodes aren't very long, and on occasion I'll interview someone, but basically I look at, I, I kind of treat it like you're sitting across a table from me, and we're answering a question on spiritual leadership together, allowing the Holy Spirit to lead us. I'd love for you to check it out, subscribe, tell your friends about it. Lead to Serve is the podcast, and thanks for asking. That's Lead to Serve. Lead, the number two, serve. Check it out where you prefer to listen to podcasts. There is one more gift on this list found in Romans 12. It's the gift of mercy. And we'll learn about this much-needed gift next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.